Hello, everybody. Welcome to Socks on Tap Sunday Fun Day. This is Sunday, February 16th. I'm Johnny Nani. We've got Tony Marchese on today. Uh, unfortunately, Buzz can't make it. A little uh, chore work around the house, but that's all right, Tone. We're going to keep rolling. Yeah, we are, Johnny. Um, long time no talk. Uh, I'm I'm still in a little bit of the recovery uh, period right now after that Blackhawks winner you and I got to uh, take in together last night. Um, it, appropriate time to go plug some other on tap stuff right here uh if you're not following at four feathers pod you're a hockey fan uh johnny and i do the same stuff we do for the socks over there uh just covering blackhawks all year long uh johnny um we 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 went pretty late last night uh shooting pool listening into some rock and roll cracking beers until about 2 a.m and we're we're back at it uh just 12 hours later um it's 2 p.m and it's sunday funday time so I'm going to crack them and we're going to get this rolling here. Yeah. I, Tony, uh, that's all those activities that you just described uh, that went on. That's cool and tough. Absolutely. Yeah, it uh, was seeing the Blackhawks uh, with the onslaught. Uh, that is the latest four feathers, uh, you know, Blackhawks on tap post game show that we run over there. Um, so if you want to hear our analysis from that, uh, you can go and check that out. Um, other than that, make sure you're following at on tap sports net and at socks on tap on Twitter and follow at on tap sports net on Instagram and like the Facebook page. Uh, same handle. If you just backslash it uh, from facebook.com. Also make sure you go and uh, subscribe rate and review this podcast if you enjoy it uh, we really appreciate it and that also helps us out um, with further exposure and whatnot so uh, there it is that's the end of the housekeeping let's get into spring training news tone um, the, the first one uh, that came out and the White Sox like to announce these in bunches and I guess it was kind of appropriate since it was only the first day uh, of pitchers and catchers reporting but uh, a couple minor injuries uh, we got Yasmani Grandal Lucas Giolito and Gio Gonzalez all dealing with minor ailments but um, severity on those uh, nothing majorly concerning. Uh, Grandal had already dismissed as Lucas Giolito said he was trying to get back into the swing of things a little too quickly after recovering from the flu. And uh, Gio Gonzalez, you know, just uh, as a veteran, there's a lot of miles on the arm. So uh, he said he was just going to take it easy, um, you, you know, for the beginning here. But uh, they said that we'll only slow all of those guys down um, only for the first week of spring training games, which kick off next Saturday. So um, it's that so White Sox, though, to, to have injuries on the first day of camp tone. Yeah, it even is. though even, even though we're, we're in a better spot this year, I didn't mean to cut you off. Even though we're in a better spot this year, that's so White Sox can still continue in spurts. Yeah, I, I love it. Um, if your last name starts with a G, you're injured for the White Sox right now. Uh, <laughs> it just seems to be what what it is. Uh, it's it's fine. These are all minor stuff um, for all of these guys, and and you just kind of covered that right there. Nothing really impactful in my my opinion. Yeah, no, 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 nothing, uh, you know, like you'd said, uh, nothing to be concerned about. I like that Grandal is, you know, he's catching side, uh, side sessions, sidelines, they call them, uh, that, that they're throwing down there. So he, he's already in that. So I, I guess, you know, it'll just be not in the game action, I would expect, for that first week. But, you know, that's fine. You, you get to see looks at uh, Zach Collins, James McCann, um, other guys throughout the system uh, behind the plate there to start the opening of spring training. Um, the, just the specifics on these, um, Giolito's is a mild chest muscle strain. Uh, Gio Gonzalez is mild shoulder soreness, as I alluded to, and uh, Grandal is a mild calf strain. So I uh, just want to get the official word out on that. Okay, um, another guy who's coming off of an injury, uh, you know, well, I guess for a year now, uh, is Michael Kopak And uh, Patrick Flowers wrote a nice article over at Ontap Sportsnet with a bunch of quotes, um, you know, uh, that, were, that were collected from him in various interviews after uh, throwing sidelines there. But he's full go. He's thrown 100 uh, percent. He's refocused and ready to rock. So uh, thoughts on Kopak here? You know, it's just good to see him uh, just firing bullets, man. I mean, this is this is the kid that we want to see on the mound. Uh, I think all White Sox fans have been waiting to get Michael Kopech, uh back on the mound for the for the Sox, and we've talked about this all winter, Johnny. Uh, we talked about it all last year, and you know, this is this is the guy that we want to see back on the mound for the Sox. It would be really nice to see him start the year with the team. Obviously, he's talking about being 100% and, and just letting it go. I know there were comments about him uh, not throwing an angry pitch yet. I don't know if Michael Kopech ever doesn't throw a pitch angry. Uh, I you know, my it, thoughts exactly. You know, I think that uh, it doesn't matter if it's a bullpen, a side session. It doesn't matter if he's playing long toss. This is a max effort guy. And, uh, you know, I just I'd love to see him start the year in the rotation. We all we have all had our thoughts on this. Uh, expressed multiple times, so I'm not going to beat a dead horse here, but uh, I still expect him to start the year down in AAA. 
yeah, um, I'm with you on that. Um, you know, I, <laughs> I've made it very clear uh, that I, you know, before we made a bunch of the signings, I said I was going to lose my freaking mind. I think that was the exact terminology that I uh, put upon it. Um, if he doesn't start the year with the team, but um, now there's other options there. Uh, there's other options that don't warrant that, uh, you know, speeding up. And then obviously there's the uh, service time thing because. I always look at it as you pick and choose your guys and the ones that they wanted to lock up were Luis Robert and Eloy Jimenez and rightfully so for all of the, uh, you know, ability that they have and the potential future outlook for those guys, you know, being studs um, anchoring down the outfield for us. And if you're going to pick and choose your guys that you're not handing out these contracts to um, right now, a little bit of, question mark still behind Michael Kopech because you want to see him back. Uh, mm-hmm. You got to see him back performing at the big league level. And then Nick Madrigal will be the other one um, because you're looking at it when you're looking to resign these guys, Nick Madrigal is not commanding anywhere near what an Eloy Jimenez or Luis Robert will. So, um, you know, they're going to be evaluate uh, Kopech this year. Uh, definitely big time for him. So um, let's move on another uh, kind of, since we are skimming injuries here a bit, uh, Kelvin Herrera. This was a Chicago Sun-Times article from Daryl Von Schoen. Uh, it was a nice one that I read this morning. And you know me, Tony. I love me some Kelvin Herrera. Um, I thought he could have been a really effective, you know, and he was for the first month, really effective setup man for us. Um, obviously, Aaron Bummer. I would expect him to be in that role this year. But uh, NWI Steve wrote a great article over at ontapsportsnet.com uh, highlighting Kelvin Herrera and Jace Fry and how much their bounce backs uh, campaigns would mean to this bullpen in 2020. Um, so Kelvin Herrera said this was kind of interesting to me, Tone. I don't know if you got a chance to read the article, but basically the summary was says my arm was feeling good, but the legs weren't all there. Uh, that's your foundation, especially for a pitcher. So. He, if you remember, when the White Sox signed him, he had been coming off of a injury to his foot, and he had to have surgery on it. Um, it it's a list frank ligament in his left foot uh, while he was pitching with the Nationals in 2018. Um, so I always thought it was the back that was more of the ailment, Tony, because mm-hmm. we saw that flare up in early May, and then he was never the same after that. But um, I just thought it was interesting. Uh, you know, he's hungry. He's ready to get back and prove himself because, you know, he's a two-time All-Star. People forget that. Yeah. Kelvin Herrera, kind of a dark horse out of the bullpen, Johnny. Then that's – I kind of like him in that role, you know, because right now you're not, as a Sox fan, really expecting big things out of Kelvin Herrera. You know, you just – you named off a few right there. I think Jace Fry, uh, Aaron Bummer, Evan Marshall. You've got some guys right there that I think take some pressure off Kelvin Herrera to be that setup guy. But if he comes out and he's performing, he's definitely a seventh, eighth inning option for this team. And, you know, I, I think he's got the kind of stuff and, and veteran um, leadership for that bullpen a little bit. Him and Alex Colome, uh, I, I really I would really love to see him just return to form because he's been there. He's done that, um, you know, in, in pennant chases and, and in, the, in the playoffs. You know, he's he's got that experience. I think he's, you know, probably one of the more seasoned guys when it comes to pitching in high leverage situations when it matters. And I think that uh, you'll get that out of Calvin Herrera should this team, uh, you know, do something this year. Uh, you're going to need to rely on somebody like that. I, I hope he has a bounce back year. I think it'd be great for this club. Yeah. Uh, and another thing here, uh, this is the year of the beard tone. Uh, we got Dallas Keuchel. Um, I, I think it might be one of the best groomed beards in baseball. I still he like said it was. He said I still it. like I still like the ridiculousness of Charlie Blackman's. Uh, so if I was going to vote a best beard, it would probably still be Charlie Blackman. But, um, you know, props to Dallas Keuchel for his facial work. Kelvin Herrera likes to sport a little bit, too. And he, he, he let it go a little bit last year, too. So uh, power the beard going forward in 2020. I like it. Uh, let's see a bounce back from Kelvin get some, Herrera. Get some White Sox fear the beard shirts going. Ooh, yeah. I, I like that. I like that a lot, Tone. All right. Um, and on to the next topic. Uh, you know, Pitchers and catchers uh, were reporting last Wednesday. So we've had a few days of, you know, coverage down there. Um, all, all the beat writers do a great job in James Fegan, Vinny Duber, uh, Chuck Garfine, Daryl Van and Scott Merkin. Uh, you can name them. Uh, they keep going on. Um, but, uh, you know, plenty of updates there. So we've seen plenty of stuff from pitchers and catchers. But uh, going to be exciting to see position players report officially on Monday, the 17th. We're recording this on the 16th. So uh, by the time you're listening to this, hey, 
position players may have already reported. So, uh, you know, and it's nice to see, Tony. I like that a lot of guys are down there early. We finally got our first look at Luis Robert doing some sliding uh, drills today. You know, Tim Anderson's been down there uh, hitting the cages, taking some ground balls. Uh, Yohan Moncada hitting in the cages. No Mark Mazzara. Uh, I think Larry Garcia has been down there, uh, you know, uh, obviously Nick Madrigal. So um, it's good to see. I'm, I'm pumped. How about you? Dude, I'm pumped as well. And uh, I think Chuck Garfine had a tweet just a little bit ago that Edwin Encarnacion just arrived at camp. I don't know why that one just like gave me goosebumps, dude. Like I'm just I'm waiting for these bombs. I'm waiting for these bombs. I'm waiting for the fireworks. This lineup is going to be so fun to watch. Um, and you hit, you hit on something. A lot of these guys are down there early. You know, Yohan Moncada has been down there since like the season ended, <laughs> you know what I mean? Just in the cages, lifting weights, all those insane workout videos that come out of, of Moncada. Um, you know, I think Tim Anderson's been down there for like a full week or two now. Uh, these guys are, are ready to go. They're excited to play baseball this, this season. And it's great to see It's It's great to see. Um, how many guys show up early for the Sox team and, and start to put the work in because, uh, man, I, they, they want this. Yeah, I, I definitely with you on that. Uh, I like the tone that that sets for the rest of the year. Um, uh, one player that I'd mentioned in there, and we've seen some pictures uh, of him, and that's Nick Madrigal, uh, reportedly adding a little muscle. Um, honestly, he was wearing kind of a pullover, so I couldn't really see it. Uh, I can't judge on the visuals there, but uh, thoughts on Nick Madrigal? Uh, maybe, you know, trying to add a few more uh, dingers to the, uh, you know, stat line this year. This one is my favorite because... I don't know if you remember back, like Avi Garcia, Gordon Beckham, the whole he's in the best shape of his life uh, stuff that would come out every spring training. <laughs> Nick Madrigal is in the best fucking shape of his life right now. Um, you know, I'm a huge advocate of steroids. Um, I'm, I'm glad that uh, Madrigal has started to inject himself at some point. Uh, we'll we'll uh, just try and make sure. I, I don't know. Maybe they're Wellington Castillo's leftovers uh, that he found in the clubhouse. Uh, somebody check and see if Madrigal got Castillo's locker. Um, you know, th- this is great. This is great. Um, I'd like to see Madrigal uh, add a little extra power to his game. I think that's something that we as a crew here at Sox on Tap, I don't, maybe Buzz really likes Nick Madrigal, but um, we as a crew mm-hmm. here have kind of – you know, we, the, the jokes kind of write themselves with him being short slap hitter, you know, and you know, that's kind of the style I played when I was in baseball. I was never the, the biggest kid. I was never a power hitter. Um, so it was a lot of the same style that Nick Madrigal had. So I can relate to that. But we all know that hitting home runs is cool and tough. And, mm-hmm. you know, you and the, ga- see, the game's changed. Too. The game the has changed. changed away from that. So, you know, it's you, you got to kind of shift towards that. I think that Magical can be effective. I, re- I really honestly do. But if you replace Nick Magical with a guy that's going to hit 20 home runs, uh, I'd probably take that um, and, and play some some solid defense. I don't know. I, I like that he's added some muscle. I think that uh, I saw him uh, hit a home run in BP. Maybe this is changing. Who knows? Uh, but the the other thing that I don't want to see, Johnny, is is Nick Magical trying to swing for the fences just for the sake of swinging for the fences. If that's not yeah. his game, you don't want to start to see somebody try and change the the way that they've been successful over the course of his entire college career and in, in the minor league so far. So let's not try and, and change anything here, but adding a few extra dingers, that's cool. I, I can take that. Yeah, uh, well, well put on that last segment there. I, I agree with that. But uh, I'm going to, you know, you talked about the, you know, the jokes and the, uh, you know, all that, that that has come out and it's easy to kind of pick on him um, just for a stature. But uh, I'm still going to be a Madrigal skepticist. I, I know there's guys out there. Was it Carrie? You know, that baseball fan, he's a Madrigal truther. Someone that is literally has their name on Twitter as Madrigal truther. Uh, Matt Sawaski is a huge backer of Nick Madrigal. Uh, thinks the world of the kid. Buzz is a big fan of Nick Madrigal. I'm going to be the Madrigal skepticist. Uh, let's see this translate over to the big leagues. Um, because of a name that you mentioned in there, I'm done getting excited over second base prospects. Um, I guess Mancata being the exception. Uh now he's at third, but, you know, whatever. It's an infield prospect more. Whereas Nick Madrigal is your prototypical second baseman. I'm done getting excited over uh, second base prospects because of Gordon Beckham. Yep. There it is, right there. Um, you know, and Gordon Beckham's game was a little bit different than uh, than Nick Madrigal's. I'll be fine, Johnny, if, if Madrigal can, you know, just get some doubles, uh, add in some doubles into this game. Um, extra base hits, that's what we need. I don't... 
single, 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 single all day for Nick Madrigal. I want some extra base hits out of him. You know, you get, I don't know, 20, 30 of them. I think we'll be happy. Yeah, uh, I'm with you there. So uh, moving on here, uh, as we were talking about pitchers and catchers before, uh, I believe it was Scott, either Scott Merkin or Daryl Venshow, and um, they had uh, kind of planned out uh, based on who was throwing what day, uh, who was going to be the starter for the first White Sox spring training game, which is Saturday, February 22nd at 2.05 p.m. Um, uh, that'll be streamed on MLB.com and uh, on WGN 720 on the radio. So uh, for that, though, well, what they had planned out was I think Ronaldo Lopez is expected to get the ball here. So um, I'm excited, Tone, because I think, you know, uh, Raylo, I'm not talking Giolito style here, but he could be a candidate for a breakthrough this year. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that uh, Raylo is probably your number one breakout candidate. Um, I heard something, and I can't remember where it was from, that uh, he switched agencies and then uh, got on a similar program as Lucas Giolito uh, did last year. Um, I was big on uh, harping on Raylo's kind of mental uh, fortitude, I think, in some of these games last year. And I always go back to the statement that he made right around the All-Star break where he said, you know, oh, I, I can do better. I'm going to come out and I'm going to try harder. I'm going to be better. And all of a sudden you started to see things happen. If he can actually do that for a full season and string together some consistent starts, I know when we did the That's So White Sox article, we had one about like the Raylo game because there's been one every year where Raylo strikes out 8 to 12 hitters just looks absolutely unhittable, and you can see where this kid was a top-ranked prospect for a long time. I want to see him actually convert into that. If not, I still go back to he can be an insane piece out of the bullpen. Um, You like the fact that the White Sox signed a bunch of guys now because for the rotation because it puts pressure on a guy like Reynaldo Lopez to perform because – if Kopech and Rodon come back, all of a sudden somebody's got to move, right? So if Raylo's kind of struggling through that first half of the year, he'd be my first guy out of this rotation just based on what he did last year. I think he needs a really impressive spring, and he needs to come out of the gate really strong. Talking about breakout candidates, here it is right here, Reynaldo Lopez. I love what you're saying. Amen to that, Tony. Uh, We'll get our first look at him, like I had mentioned, uh, in that first Sox spring training game. They play the Angels. That is next Saturday, February 22nd, 2.05 p.m. So um, let's move on, Tony. It is Sunday Funday. Uh, That kind of wraps up all the news here. So Sunday Funday, got to have the fun stuff. Uh, I have a full segment here of fun stuff, and uh, we're going to get into it right now. So uh, let's start with how many times will Ricky Renteria get ejected this season? Oh, this is a tough one. I, do, do we have numbers on his ejections last year? Uh, I'm, I'm trying to see if baseball reference does any sort of uh, ejection um, tracker here. It had to be at least four or five times, right? I would guess. Yeah. So th- this goes back to replay for me. And this is my biggest problem with replay, Johnny. Let's go back four or five years. You didn't have instant replay coach couldn't challenge anything and then it goes to you know the video review and then they get the call right or wrong so i feel like the the manager ejections just in my mind this isn't without any sort of statistical up um as i search here for an ejection tracker there's less opportunity for a manager to just come out and you know go absolute ape shit on the umpire because <laughs> if the call is wrong they're gonna they're gonna challenge the play and then if the, they get the challenge wrong, then you see some sort of argument. But you got video replay all over the fucking place now. And so it, it takes that heated element out of the game. So I feel like there's less opportunity. And that that's a huge problem for me. I like the I like fireworks. I like things to be exciting. I like when the call's wrong and the manager comes out there and fucking covers home plate with all the dirt and maybe <laughs> yes. throws a base or two. You know, get... Get, just go fucking wild, you know, cause some havoc. So I don't know why I, I had to get into that, but I'm, I'm probably thinking maybe six or seven this year. These games are going to matter a lot more for the White Sox. So just getting into some more high pressure situations, maybe Ricky gets a little bit more heated. I love when the manager gets ejected. I think it lights a fighter under the team. You know, I, the, that that's my thing. Get out there, get angry. 
How about you? Yeah, uh, I mean, th- those are good points. And honestly, I love the fire, too. Uh, so I wouldn't be opposed to uh, that total that you're saying. But I am going to go actually lower than last year. And I'm going to say four. Uh, I- I'm going to go with four times where he gets tossed from a game this year. Um, you're always going to have your moments. I-, I think pretty much every manager gets ejected at least once a season. Uh, there's always at least some call that, you know, a, a lot of it comes from arguing balls and strikes. Uh, I think that happens and the managers want to have their catchers back. Uh, or they're better or their hitters back uh, when, it, when it comes to that front. So I can see a few of them, but um, I think there has been uh, just a little bit of a, you know, I think Ricky realizes it uh, and that the club is probably better off with him in the dugout than, you know, in the clubhouse. So um, I think he'll temper it a little bit and just get into it mainly balls and strikes and maybe every once in a while uh, a replay or two uh, that goes haywire. But uh, I'll go with four, a conservative guess, but I, I honestly wouldn't hate to see your prediction come true. I, I, this goes to another thing, Johnny, that you just brought up. Robot umpires for balls and strikes. We're, we're never going to see a fucking manager ever get ejected ever again if, if this happens. Like, eh. Listening to the radio um, earlier today, they were talking about the Astros cheating scandal, everything that's going on with Rob Manfred and all the changes to the game. And, you know, robot umpires are on the horizon. I believe they're testing them this year in, in some minor league. Um, what is it? Not It's not double A. It's like the fall league or some shit. Um, you know, what, you're taking away the human element out of this game piece by piece by piece. You're not going to see as much... Uh, fight from these managers on things. I think the challenges already take that whole piece out of the game. You go back and you watch 1970s baseball and you get some of the most fucking insane, (laughs) just, you know, God, there's just, there's so much back there. There's so much history. It's just, I I hate the way this game is going personally um, with all that stuff. And and eventually all of a sudden you're, you're not going to be able to argue balls and strikes anymore. It, where, where's the fun in that? Like, I, I like the fun aspect of this game. You can make it all technologically perfect, but every single time you make some sort of quote-unquote advancement with technology, all we're doing is just injecting less and less fun opportunities and opportunities to talk about guys like Ricky Renteria or even like back in the day when Ozzie Guillen was the manager coming out and just getting heated over something. And I think that that's, that's part of the fun of this game. Stop trying to take the fun out of this game pisses me off yeah uh, i'm with you i love the human element i love the emotional element uh when it comes to that so uh speaking uh, of kind of you know things getting fired up we talked about the manager there and ricky renteria um let's move it over to the player side now tony which player will lead the team in ejection slash suspension time well this all depends on whether or not nick magical gets popped for the steroids um that i talked about a little bit earlier uh but i think your obvious choice here is tim anderson um yeah, this guy just plays with the human element. And that's what I love about Tim Anderson is you, you have that human element in there. He's going to get in your face. He's going to be a hothead. He's going to make a boneheaded attempt to steal third base and get pissed off that he got thrown out. And then you're going to see him get animated and argue about it. So I think your obvious choice is Tim Anderson. Outside of some random steroid suspension, I think Tim Anderson's the clear-cut choice here. Yep, uh, that was a good one. I was actually going to bring up that point. Uh, you know, it's, it's really easy to point to uh, Tim Anderson and, and think that. But um, I think after last year, uh, in, you know, he had the uh, the suspension from the what was it? Yeah, he got suspended uh, from that Royals uh, brawl. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So he did. He served a little bit of time there, obviously ejected from that game as well. So that puts him up there. I don't honestly see something like that happening again. I, I think. When he bat flips, it'll be warranted. And then, you know, the game's kind of moving to where that's more accepted. Uh, generally, you see it more around the league. Um, and he and it's not like he's doing it every single time. So um, I, I understand that. And it's definitely probably the leading candidate here in everyone's mind. But I, I just for the sake of the argument here, I'm going to go a little under the radar and say James McCann. And this won't be on suspensions, but on ejections. Uh, he's a catcher. He knows the strike zone when he's not happy with the call and he's at the plate, he's going to let him know. And he definitely got suspended at, or excuse me, ejected at least once last season. I could see that creeping up into two, three, maybe uh, for something this year. Two, three and, times for James. Yeah. McCann? 
And then you also look at the other, uh, you know, he was basically the only catcher with Wellington Castillo uh, being injured on and off and whatnot. I think with the added catching uh, depth that you have there, obviously, Osmani Grandal being number one there, Zach Collins fill in. I'm sure they're still going to give him some looks behind the plate every once in a while this season. Um, James McCann can uh, let it fly a little bit more. So I'm going to go James McCann uh, leading the team with uh, ejections this year from a player standpoint. I like Um, that. All right, uh, let's move on. Who will be the dark horse White Sox all-star? Nobody expected Lucas Giolito last year, but he went out and did it uh, and shut everyone up. So who's a dark horse this year, Tone? So are you talking actually making the all-star game or like yes. being an all-star? Yes. Ma- making the all-star game. Okay, so James McCann last year, too, was uh, I think yeah. a, a breakout dark horse kind of all-star. I think you have to look positionally around the league, too, because – Yohan Moncada didn't even make the All-Star game last year, putting up almost an MVP caliber season. Yeah, well, he, he's um, not allowed to because Brian Kenny just, uh, you know, slobs on uh, Matt Chapman for 20, you know, 24-7 on MLB Network. So uh, Yohan Moncada is automatically not going to make it because of that. So, this, this, you know, this is this is the the kind of weird question is the Sox have a lot of guys, Johnny, who I, in my opinion, are All-Star caliber players. When you look at... Uh, Yohan Moncada, you can say Eloy Jimenez. You can say that Luis Robert uh, could probably be uh, an all-star if he puts together a, a nice campaign. But are those dark horses in your mind? I'm kind of trying to gauge the question from you right here. Like, are those dark horses or are you looking for somebody like, I would, really under the radar? I would say that Luis Robert is definitely a dark horse as a rookie. That, I mean, that, that could be a candidate if you're talking about that. So I would say just kind of more unexpected. Uh, not, it doesn't have to be completely under the radar, but, you know, like James McCann last year, you, know, you didn't expect it. You know, this one's tough. Like, because part of me just wants to say, like, Nomar Mazar is going to have, like, a fucking breakout, <laughs> you know, 25 home run first half and just find something, and then he'll probably fade into, into black in the second half. So, you know, something weird like that always happens in baseball. Um, I, I don't know. This is this is tough. Uh, I, I kind of like the Luis Robert thing. Uh, I think Yasmani Grandal is probably like a lock in my opinion to That's represent was, the White yeah. Sox. Yeah, that um, would so not I'm, be a dark horse there. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to go dark horse there. I like a name that you actually said earlier. If Reynaldo Lopez comes out and is the best pitcher in the White Sox for the first half. I could see him potentially being that dark horse all-star, you know, like string together a dominant, really dominant first half. Um, Reynaldo Lopez. I like it. Uh, I, I'm going to go on to the pitching front here as well. But you talk about, you know, look across the league position wise. Let's go with Aaron Bummer. Aaron yeah. Bummer after last year. Whites uh, out and say he does take that closer role over from Calame. Uh and he's just, you know, absolutely lighting it up like he was last year, missing bats, getting guys to, uh, you know, fan. And then also when they make contact, not barreling it up too much. Um, I could see him just being really effective in the time that he's out there, uh, that he earns a nod there. So I'll go with there and bummer. I like it, Johnny. Yeah. All right. Uh, you mentioned the name there, uh, Nomar Mazzara. So, um, my thoughts on him, I, I was not a fan of the trade. Uh, I mean, I don't care about giving up a steel walker, but I don't think he was the answer. I think we could have done, uh, you know, bigger and better, much bigger and better in right field. They didn't, uh, but he's here. He's going to be a starting right fielder. We know that they're, they're not going to go out and sign uh, someone else. I doubt that at this point with, with camp opening up and position players reporting tomorrow. So um, my question is how long until Nomar Mazar gets chirped from people sitting in the 108? Now, that is not to, you know, I don't want to put words in the 108ers' mouths, so not beef loaf, treasy, my sack summer, but anyone sitting down there uh, in that section could be Goose Island, too, I guess, then carry it over. Uh, how long until Nomar Mazar starts hearing it from the people? March 26th. Like, <laughs> oh, because you're going to be there and you're going you're gonna to yell. Third inning. You know, well, yeah, that's exactly right. Because I'm going to be there, and we're going to we're going to start this real early. Um, we had the crazy Marchese effect, right? So, if I start getting on Nomar Mazzara from day one, maybe he is the the uh, dark horse All Star candidate. You know, like let's just start chirping this motherfucker right away. Like, just get him get him under, you know, a good plan of constant constructive criticism um, from me. And I will be there from from day one, March 26th. It's starting. Nomar Mazzara, it, because you know the first at-bat's going to be a strikeout. Like, it, it, it just, it will. 
it will be a strikeout, and people are going to sit there and be like, oh, we could have had player X right now, you know? And, like, Buzz will be sitting there talking about, you know, we could have just signed Yaziel Puig, you know? And then you'll get everybody else. Pete Hand will be talking about how we should have signed Bryce Harper the year before, and everybody's <laughs> just going to be pissed off about it. We know this. This is going to happen. It's it. This isn't, you know, like you like to say, it doesn't take rocket appliances to figure it out. <laughs> Nomar Mazzara is in the doghouse with White Sox fans before he's even taken a, a, a an at bat in a White Sox uniform. Um, we we were ripping on this sign or this trade before it even happened. You know what I mean? Like we wanted to go out and get a right fielder. Um, at this point, like the the whole Cole Calhoun signing. Um, that, that we didn't want to have happen that we talked about like at the end of last year, that's already a disappointment with the, with the Nomar Mazzara trade. Like it didn't make sense at the time. It still doesn't make sense. I think we talked about this with Justin Havens a few weeks ago when we asked him, can he break out? I think we talked about it with Dan Samborski um, as, as well. Um, and I think we asked White Sox Dave too last Sunday about what he feels about Nomar Mazzara. And we got the same kind of answer from everybody. Like, he is what he is. But the weird part is he's 24 years old and, and has some potential. Um, you see some people out there on Twitter who want to say, like, he can find it, he can figure it out. I think he's the biggest question mark in this lineup right now. But if we start getting on him right away, maybe something happens. Who knows? But day one, that's, that's when he's going to start getting chirped. Okay, so you are obviously... Um going to be insinuating that. So I'm going to take you out of the equation. So let's go minus you uh, since you have your tickets over in the 108. And obviously I don't uh, have them there in. yet on opening day. So maybe it'll be game two. <laughs> so uh, I'll fast forward a little bit and we'll, you know, let, let uh, calmer uh, or was it cooler heads prevail. Uh, that's a saying. And uh, I'll give it until when he's striking out against the Royals consistently, let's go game two uh, of the Royals series that uh, takes place in April. So uh, April 21st, that's, that's my date for it. So uh, when you start hearing it from others there, yeah, that's what your tryout period of one, two, three, four, four weeks there. So when it's not, when he is what he is still in four weeks, uh, I think that I'll become much more vocal. So that's just my reasoning behind it. So <laughs> we got, we, we can't give the same answer here, Tony. That's, that's, that's the rule here. So, all right, let's move on. Um, how many koozies will buzz and Tony lose combined this season? You guys are terrible with this. You, you, I think we left like 70 koozies uh, you, we, at the live event that we had. It, it's absolutely ridiculous. I'm the only one that knows how to hold on to a koozie in the untapped crew here. What's going on? I think we're not the only ones. You, you just bring up the yeah, whole Comiskey. group. Comiskey does too, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just when you're drinking and, you know, it's not only just koozies for me. Like, sunglasses are a thing. Leave my debit card at Bulldog Ale House all the time. Like, we go out to lunch. It, it just stays there. I drink, I lose stuff. That happens. Uh, I'm not the only person with this problem. Um, you're very organized. You're an organized person. Um, I'm disorganized. That's why we work so well as a team. Like you get the rundown going, and I'll just fill in the blanks. Uh, how many koozies am I lose? Are we talking specifically on tap koozies, or are no. we talking koozies as a whole? All koozies. I'm good this for is... at least five to six koozies this year. <laughs> is it? Does it have to be? at the ballpark or is it just white, through the baseball season yeah white Sox related so yeah i would go ballpark here at the at the ballpark five or six koozies yeah i'll take I, the over on that i would uh pin buzz i don't think he will be out there as frequently uh as you are so i would pin buzz for a good three so um yeah uh, we're looking at what about eight nine koozies lost there uh between you two i can definitely yeah. see it uh i got two words of advice for you back pocket you wear jeans yeah. to the game, you wear shorts to the game, you got a back pocket. Wallet goes in one of them, boom, koozie in the opposite one. Those are my two words of advice if you want to stop losing these damn things. Because then well, we have you to know, Buzz, more, Buzz, more, Buzz and more. I are both Buzz and I are both fathers. We rock the cargo shorts. Proud of it. Um okay, you know, well, then those, even more pockets. Yeah, I've got more pockets to carry stuff. And you know, if you're bringing a backpack to the game, there's another thing. You got a whole backpack. And I've started to follow your plan with bringing the backpack to the game. You keep your peanuts in there. You got everything in the backpack. Um, you know, just I'll try harder, but find, I can't make any find a, favorite, find a favorite pocket within that backpack 
That way you know it's always there. I have one little Velcro thing right in the front. Boom, easy access. Don't have to unzip the thing. There you go. Well, you know, the untapped funds keep funding the uh, the koozies that keep rolling through here. And it's probably time that we make another koozie order before opening day. So, yeah, uh, definitely. Little, little side note, we'll talk about that off there. Yeah, th- th- that is the goal. Uh, just if you're coming out to our opening day tailgate that we'll touch on at the end of the show here, um, we plan on having koozies. So uh, you come out, uh, meet us, talk baseball, uh, enjoy some beers, some jello shots, whatever. Uh, you get an on-tap Sportsnet koozie. Uh, just, we just ask that you uh, rock it proud uh, and tag us uh, with hashtag Crack'em uh, whenever you're at the game, wherever you're using it, at the bar, at home, doesn't matter. Um, so that's koozie section of this one. All right. Uh, it is still in uh, ballpark consumption here. Uh, over under on dollar dogs consumed uh, by the on tap crew site wide. So the site wide, we're including us three, obviously, uh, you, me, Buzz, uh, the mainstays on the show. Uh, end of you guys, Steve, we've got a heavy hitter now added to the team. Uh, we've got Ron Luce, who is a closet Sox fan, who is, will always be out at the ballpark. He'll go to more Sox games and Cubs games. Uh, he loves to, you know, uh, munch on some dollar dogs there. Uh, Andrew Kinsler is a big fan of it. Uh, Billy Raffeld's going to be there a lot. Um, so what, what are we thinking, man? DJ, DJ's yeah. out there. Andrew Kinsler, man. Oh. NWI Steve put away like what hundred something last year. I mean, at this point in time, I think fifty percent of the body mass of on tap sports net writers is yoga mat, like because or, or some sort of like tire filling or whatever is in those dogs. Johnny, I don't know about you, but Thursday morning after a Wednesday at the ballpark dollar dog day. I wake up with some of the weirdest hangovers. And I talked to Steve about this um, a little bit, um, you know, when he first joined the crew. And uh, I was like, hey, man, like you ate a lot of these fucking hot dogs last year. How do you how do you feel the next day? The meat sweats are one thing. Then there's I ate dollar dog meat sweats. You know, like there's just there's a foul smell and feeling to your body after you consume these items, um, I don't, I don't, I don't even know what it is. It's got it. There's some secret ingredient in here. That's gotta be the filler in this hot dog. And it's, it's not kosher. I'm just going to say that it's not kosher. Um, had all these up 500, $500 dogs. Is that, is that unreasonable to say, Johnny? I, I would probably go a little lower than that. Um, just out of, you know, there's some day games that are thrown in there. Uh, there's one, this I believe, that, that's a Wednesday that is not a dollar dog day. Uh, so it also depends. You, you got to take multiple accounts into this. We know that when the guys are there, they can shout out. No, no question about that. Here's a wild card. Here's a wild card. Do we count Jake Trojan? No, this is going to be for on tap contributors. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. That's a yeah, it's a factor. A factor. Good question. Uh, but I'm going for this one specifically on tap because I'd like to keep running tally so we can, uh, you know, put this at a number here. I'll go. Let's go. If we're setting an over under here, um, let's bring it down into the lower fours here because you got it. You know, Steve is going to. Yeah, I don't think he he said uh, I'm pretty sure he's not doing the exact, uh, the, uh, you know, his amount that he was uh, last year. But um, he'll still do his share, and he'll probably account for a very, very large portion uh, mm-hmm. of this. So uh, let's go lower, and let's set it at 400 even. Does that sound about right? Yeah, I, I think 500 may have been overshooting it, but 400 makes a lot of sense because you name off all these names. I think Ron Luce is probably good for, if he gets out to the ballpark, at least 50 or over. Uh, then you get... NWI Steve, I think he's going to repeat into the hundreds. So you're already at 150 right there. Kinsler will probably make it out to two or three of these. Somewhere between 30, 30 and 50, maybe. Um, you and I are, are going to be there quite a few times. Now, we're not the biggest dollar dog eaters, but I think between the two of us, we'll at yeah. least put away 50 to 60 dogs. Um, Sounds about right. So then then you, you fill it in with all the other guys. I think 400. Um, and I, I'll take the over on it. 
I like that. Uh, I just wanted to set a number here. Uh, we'll try to track that as best we can. You know, it's hard because, you know, Beeflo said there's a lot of un, uh, <laughs> whatever unmarked dogs uh, is what he said out there that, you know, people had done but not hashtag correctly or not actually tagged the 108 or whatever it was um, in that one. But uh, I like to keep, a, you know, a tally this year so we can try to uh, – see what kind of percentage that we're at uh, when it comes, you know, at the end of the year and we get the full totals from uh, beef loaf over at the 108. So uh, th- that's dollar hot dog days. Um, you got another one here. Beer consumed in lot B. Now this is just going to be astronomical. Yeah. So I-, I was actually doing a little thinking the other day and I was talking to, to Jen, my-, my wife, and I said, I wonder how many beers on tap has consumed since inception and she's like why haven't you tracked this and i'm like i I don't know we haven't had a good tracking measure and this is something that i think we need to figure out like how many beers does on tap consume maybe in a month and we could we could do some sort of thing johnny with with the rest of the on tap guys and, and try and track how many beers we drink because i'm thinking myself like you and i last night i, I counted cans we ripped through 27 beers um in <laughs> what how long were you here like five hours yeah yeah we were we were through 27 beers i threw away 27 cans that's just an average night for on tap and i don't think like people don't understand how many beer like and that's just you and i and then you've got pat comiskey out there and uh you know ron you've got kinsler You've got Billy Raffeld, who can drink like four beers out of his leg at one time. Um, <laughs> you know, like there, there's so many beers that just go down at this place. I want to see if we can hit like, I don't know, a thousand beers in a month. Is that unreasonable for you? Like just thinking about it. Uh, for Yeah, for c- combined, I definitely think we could be. because I think we could easily this... beat a thousand beers in a month. Yeah. Because I look at it like, you know, sure, it's like, you know, we have, uh, you know, our crew that's, you know, up front here, but we have guys that uh, like Chris White, he, he's he's another one, you know, a dark horse that he, he's probably, you know, thrown back a really solid amount, too. So, um did Jonda, you know, Jonda, yeah, whatever he's doing, you know, uh, Buzz. I, I definitely think that, Buzz. Uh, that yeah, Buzz, too. Um, Deuce, he's doing up in uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Um, you know, there's a brewery right by him, so <laughs> hell, uh, I'm not, uh, then, would not be shocked to see a thousand. The, yeah. The, the real question here is, is what constitutes a beer? Is it 12 fluid ounces? Like, and, and I get really gotta, like into the nitty gritty because can it has to be Tony because cans are just the most, uh, commonly, uh, you know, drunken, uh, device, I guess, uh, holder, uh, in lot B just the so easiest you, to bring you go to the bar and you get yourself a 32 ounce. Talking a couple beers right there. Yeah. We can we can we can hit a thousand beers in one month at on tap. But the the question here is how many beers will be consumed in lot B this year? I think you and I average probably about like five or six before we go into the ballpark. And that's just you and I sitting there. You got forty games. You know, so I think we can hit two, three thousand beers in lot B this year. Yeah, I, I like it. Um, I mean, we, we got to shoot high, uh, set the goals high. So, because uh, you know, we're talking about there. talking about some tailgates, we're talking about some tailgates. Yeah, um, yeah I don't, I don't know. I, we we can we can get this done. What, what's your yeah. number? Um, uh, I, I'm you know I'm not a numbers guy. I, I'm a words guy here, Tony. But uh, but let's go somewhere. Like I had said, I brought that um, uh, hot dog total down uh, into that four hundred. Um, let's let's go to yeah let's go 15 maybe 1600 1600 beers in lot b this year that's that's pretty cool i I like that that's cool and tough uh we're gonna try and consume 1600 beers in lot b as a tailgate crew and that's open to you know i'll I'll even open that one up to guys like sam mendelson and and the other guys that come through you know dj anybody that comes through berklin uh trojan uh we'll, we'll open that one up uh, I don't know if we're actually going to officially track this, but I, I think I was just thinking, like, yeah. how many beers could we consume at Old Comiskey, nonetheless? Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, uh, on the stomping grounds where Disco Demolition took place. Love yep. that. Listen to some rock and rolls, crush some beers. That's what Lot B is all about, people. All right. Uh, let me move on to our next topic here. Cubs-Sox is a rivalry. 
get yes. over it. The people that say that it is not, it absolutely is. Sure, they only play four games this year, and this is what's the question is going to be, Tony. What's our record against them? But I have to preface this by saying the White Sox and Cubs compete for dollars. They compete for eyes. They compete for loyalty within this city. It is absolutely a rivalry. So what? That being said, what happens on the field this year? Hands down, I'm just gonna I'm gonna double down on what you said first. This is this is this is rivalry. The Cubs are the White Sox' biggest rival. They play across town, like you said, competing for eyes, competing for dollars. That's almost more important than competing for the division. And you can come at me with whatever you want to say that the Twins or the Tigers, the the Indians, that matters more. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. You want the Sox to own this town. If you're a Sox fan, you should you should want the Sox to own this town. There's. There's nothing worse than being that little brother that gets picked on all the time. And you you hear the attendance jokes, you hear the, um, you know, just the the stereotypical, <laughs> yeah, the white sucks and all this other crap. You don't you don't hear as much of that coming from Minnesota, and you don't hear as much of that coming from Cleveland or, or Detroit. And you know why? Because these are the people that you work with. These are the people that you you have in your family. These are the people you see on Christmas and Thanksgiving sitting across the table from you wearing that ugly blue and red uh, sea hat and the, with the cubby bear on it. This is in your face. This is a rivalry. Get over it. It's always going to be, and that's going to be a, that's a socks on tap rule right there. We, we'll talk a little bit about socks on tap rules. Record against the Cubs this year, I'm going three and one. I, I think we're going to take it this year. Three and one. I like it. Uh, I'm going to go even split, though. Um, that's just feelings on this. Um, obviously, it depends on injuries at the time, what pitching matchups you get. Um, but uh, I'll go with the split and probably splits at both ballparks, uh, to be honest with you. Um, I, I can see some heroics coming out, uh, maybe of an Eloy Jimenez type again uh, up at Wrigley. But, um, you know, when those guys come down to uh, the south side, I know there's no basket to catch it, but still um, <laughs> a nice, uh, lively hitting environment for guys like Javier Baez and uh, Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo, too. If Chris Bryant's still on that team. They should, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a good point. But uh, that, that should all be taken into consideration. Um, there's still pop there uh, and, you know, I think we may catch a bad pitching matchup in one of those. So um, I'll, I'll go with the even split two and two. Um, okay. Uh, on to our next topic here. Um, I'll preface this by saying our kind of a running joke that I started. I started in our group text and I said, I was going to vocalize it. I've kind of made it in a few Twitter posts, but uh, stat cult, um, you know, spelled in the same way that Statcast is with the capital S capital T or a capital C. Um, I want to preface this by saying, statistics are totally important. They absolutely are. I'm not discrediting that at all before any of these guys come at me. Um, they, you know, we look at them, we evaluate them for what they are, but they're not the full story. And I say stat cult because they follow it. Like it's, you know, uh, fan graphs is their Bible. Um, to some of these people are, and they like to tell you that, you know, Alex Calame is going to be trash and, you know, all of this different stuff and your different arguments about different players and how, you know, Timmy's going to come down. And I, I don't get me wrong. I agree that Timmy probably is going to come down to earth and there are valid arguments to be made within that. But I am picking on the dehumanizing part, picking the human element out of the game, something that we talked about a lot in the manager ejection sort of uh, segment earlier in this Um so whenever it dehumanizes to the point uh, of where I feel that it's overreach, that's when Stat Colt comes out, Tony. So that being yes. said, um, which reliever will Stat Colt come after next? Mm. <sighs> you know, the Alex Calame thing has been going for a while. Uh, and you you had a, a nice tweet out there earlier today about how Stat Colt hates this visual. And I replied back with, Exit velocity of fireworks uh, after Calame shuts the door uh, over Aaron Bummer's spin rate. And <laughs> I'm all for that. I'm all for that. You know, and, and I think that my feelings that I expressed just a little bit earlier about taking the human element out of the game and all this other stuff. And it's just so overwhelming with all of the stats and the, the breakdowns and, and everything. And yeah, the, the stats do matter. 
let's let's you said it. Let's get that out of the way. We did a lot of stat talk with Dan Simborski. Um, and, you know, I think that it's important to look at a body of work of a player and, and what they produced. Um, stats can quantify that. That's how you, you know, judge what kind of money you're going to give to a player and, and where they're going to bat in the lineup and what they're on base. Like, there's tons of, of good things that come out of stats. I like this game because for the longest time, Johnny, it was the least you know, uh, the the least taken over by replay and technology and all sorts of stuff. And baseball is kind of behind the, the curve a little bit. Like you look at the NHL was doing replay review before and uh, the NFL's had it forever challenging to play and, and all this other stuff. You always had this, this human element in baseball. That's, that's awesome. But on this, on this, on the same side, there's no other sport that has the same type of stat cult, I think that baseball does because no. you, you look at Moneyball, you go back and look at, um, you know, all of, you know, the war was the first thing, right? Like everybody wanted to quantify this and how can we quantify that? And it's easy to do it in baseball because everything takes place within a single play, right? Here's this play. We can track this. Everything's individualized. Whereas you look at kind of a hockey game or, or a football game and you got so many moving parts baseball. It's easy to just break it down and go, one by one, pitch by pitch, each thing is its own individual, and you can quantify each and every little aspect of this. Um, I think Calvin Herrera is probably the next one that they come after. Stole my answer. <laughs> I, I really do. I think Calvin Herrera is the next one. I don't know what it is about attacking some of the, the veterans in this bullpen, but I think that they'll oh, come after Calvin yeah. Herrera next. Here's here's the next one, though. I'll I'll, I'll give a second answer. It's Jace Fry, because if Jace Fry isn't on, you're going to start to see people get in and start to analyze what the spin rate on the curve is. What you know, what what kind of what kind of flaws does Jace Fry have? So if Jace Fry comes out and isn't performing, you're going to see these guys dig in real hard about why he's not performing. So I'll I'll take my answer and I'll switch it over to Jace Fry so you can talk about Kelvin Herrera. Yeah, so, I mean, it's okay to, for us to have the same one on this one because I think Kelvin Herrera is the absolute, um, you know, target on his back uh, for this one because one of the reasons that we mentioned earlier when I was talking about that Chicago Sun-Times article about Kelvin Herrera finally feeling better, having his legs underneath him again, um, I think it's going to make a big difference. You saw the effectiveness at the beginning of the season, and then things went, uh, obviously, the legs still not fully there uh, as he had a little more work under his belt, and then uh, the back issue, too. Um, you, you get a healthy Kelvin Herrera and he puts up some, you know, outstanding outings, uh, some really clutch situations where he gets you out of a jam or something like that. Um, you're going to have your guys uh, that tell you why uh, he got lucky there, w why this isn't sustainable, why this isn't that um, anything related to Kelvin Herrera. Uh, so I think his health and that being back uh, closer to 100 percent here, that will be the driving reason for uh, the stat Colt coming after Calvin Herrera. Um, and you, you made a point, you know, about the, the, the stat Colt coming after these veteran guys. Um, another thing I like to joke and people, this is a joke. This is a joke. So don't take it so literally like you like to. Um, according to stat Colt, players only exist between their age 22 and 28 seasons, Tony. Yes. <laughs> it, it's 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 funny. It, I, I I love it. Um, you know, you come at um, you know, you see guys come at Kenwo a lot for for his takes because he he values the eye test over over stats, and you, you, we can, you can disagree or agree with Kenwo on a lot of stuff. Um, but it, to me, Johnny, and you're not going to hear if if you're a longtime listener of the show, you and I aren't really digging into exit velocities and some of the statistical stuff that, that some of these other shows do. And that's because we, we like to ingest this game as a fan. And as a fan, we like to sit back. We like to crack some beers. We like to evaluate what happens on the field, basically via the eye test and regurgitate it out back how we feel about it. And that's, that's kind of our essence here. And, We'll we'll talk stats. We'll talk anything that relates to the game of baseball. But a lot of I think at least my takes personally, I judge a lot of this stuff on what I feel is. I mean, break it down. Is it cool and tough? And for me, Alex Calame, closing ball games, cool and tough. I like wins. It doesn't matter how it gets it done. 
and and that's that's just me. That's my opinions on. It. I'm not afraid to say it. Um, I want to go and say if you remove the word reliever from that question, Dallas Keuchel is exactly who Stat Cult will be going after this yes, season. Yes, they already are. So <laughs> that's definitely bound to happen. So uh, well said, Tony. Um, like I said, people, if you are into stats, there's nothing against you. I love you. Uh, I love the Jordan Lasowski's of the world. I love the Patrick Nolans of the world that really like to get into it because I don't understand it as fully as they do. So I appreciate their efforts there. But w- when the others start piling on and it becomes a snowball effect, uh, that is where I just come up with the stat cult thing. And I thought it was pretty funny because it's stat cast, stat cult. So, haha, funny joke by Nani there. So, all right, uh, Tony, last thing, we're talking about fun stuff here before we wrap up. Uh, something fun that's been coming out of our Twitter account lately is the socks on tap rules, a little twist on the old White Sox grinder ball rules. So let everyone know the origins of this and what they are. So I, 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 I was drinking some beers the other night, and I'm just scrolling through a bunch of pictures from, uh, you know, times at the ballpark last year and, and some other stuff. And I started thinking about some of the stuff we're doing over here uh, with Sox on Tap. And uh, we had a bunch of guests last week. White Sox Dave, I don't even know if he attempted to roll the R. But it actually started when I started thinking about, like, we always roll the R in Robert. Um, and I was like, that's a, that's a rule here at Sox on Tap. It kind of just brought me back to some of the grinder rules, you know, that, that the White Sox – uh, ran back in the day. And uh, so I, I sent you, I think, uh, a few that I had just kind of did out of uh, out of a drunken uh, thought of, hey, this might be kind of cool. Um, and we kind of just started sending some back and forth, and, and we had uh, a, quite a few good ideas. Uh, but uh, it, it really just it, – it's just a fun little play on, on the grinder rules with, with some of the stuff that we do. What's your favorite one that we've released so far? Oh, man, this one's tough, but I really like the one because I think it's a great picture of you, me, Buzz and Pete Hand. I like let them question your character. I believe that might have been rule number 29. I'd have to go back and look on the exact number on that. But I like that one, Pete, you know, flipping the bird right to the camera. Uh, Buzz's eyes all googly, like looking up at my beer. Um, I just thought that one was hilarious. And uh, I love our guy, Pete Hand. Uh, Always uh, a great supporter of on tap. Uh, Always fun to be out at the ballpark and uh, talk White Sox with. So let them question your character since he is the man of questionable character yeah so we'll, we'll be releasing a bunch of these um if i had to go back and pick a favorite so far um i think that my favorite hasn't been released yet but well we'll have to we'll have to look out for that of one. the ones that are of the ones that of, are the, of the ones that are released uh, i like the wally money one uh socks on tap rule number 69 uh, always trust this man's advice nice. um you know i think that one was <laughs> that one was pretty funny um but uh I like the one that we did today. Never let the North side forget. We talk about rivalries, Eloy, um, you know, just, I love that. I, I really love the, uh, the little okay sign, uh, that, uh, that you give every time Eloy goes deep. So, uh, I might, I might take that one as my favorite so far. Yeah. Yeah. A nice on tap shirt featured in that one too. Uh, on tap sports big cartel. Dot com. If you want to go and buy that Eloy shirt, that is in rule number 74. So, uh, Tony, we're getting to the wrap-up here. Um, you know, White Sox baseball returns in the spring training form next Saturday. Uh, yes, it does. Uh, February 22nd. What also returns is the White Sox ballpark mix. And volume two is complete. Uh, I finished it up on Friday night. Um, my homies, uh, Tony, you, and Buzz from the ONTAP side, Get the preview and Jordan Lozowski, B Sun, and Joe Binder over on the Sox on 35th side. Get the preview a week early. That's just how it goes, folks. Uh, but you've heard it. Thoughts? Man, I've been listening to this thing since you sent it over to me. Um, you know, that coupled with uh, Ballpark Mix Volume 1, it's just two hours of solid music and inject some, some, you know, just highlights and White Sox clips and everything into it. Um, man, it just gets me excited to be in lap B and just be drinking beers because you know that these, these two ballpark mix, uh, I guess you can call them volumes or or whatever you want to call them, but, uh, it's just, it's such a good mixture of just every type of music that's cool and tough. And man, like, I I don't want to spoil anything for anybody and I don't want to release anything out there. Like just, it's just so awesome and i can't wait for people to listen to it comment on it you did an excellent fucking job with this thing um as you did last year i thought it was going to be really hard to repeat what you did last year 
because you took so many White Sox classics with Thunderstruck and Don't Stop Believing and just so much white like the, the the prototypical when you think White Sox and you think music, you used a lot of those bullets last year. And so I thought going into this, just me, I'm like, how is he going to repeat what he did last year? Well, he repeated what he did last year. It's excellent. I can't wait for everybody to get their hands on it. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you guys are going to be really impressed with what Johnny did. So excellent work. Um, you know, they, they said it last year during the 108 tourney. Hardest working man in White Sox Twitter, Johnny Nani, still at it. Um, you know, just if we're talking wrestling like Buzz likes to, the belt is still uh, owned by you. <laughs> I appreciate the kind words, Tony. Uh, yeah, you, you talked about. I thought it was, you know, it was going to be hard to replicate. Obviously, a lot of those classics were used in Volume One. Um, that was, you know, a spanning a, a lot of time. You know, you go back to the White Sox uh, 05 World Series in that one. You get documentary from 1993, the uh, good guys and winners wear black. Um, all that kind of stuff. That's you know, real iconic White Sox. So I kept it a little more uh, kind of time focused this year. Um, that, that is going to be more of the theme for this one since it was such a big off season. So, um, th- that's about all I'll give there. And like Tony had said, a uh, mix of genres, just like last year, uh, try to, uh, appease multiple crowds, but it's all, um, music that I would listen to, uh, that gets included in these things. So, um, th- that's there. It'll be released Saturday. Go check my Twitter page at Nani Johnny. And we'll of course retweet it from socks on tap uh, as well. So, uh, as John would say, look out for that. Uh, coming your way next Saturday, right before White Sox baseball gets underway. Um, I guess you'll have a lot, uh, decent amount of time to listen to it before because I'm releasing it at 9.30 a.m. Uh, on Saturday, and uh, the fr- the game does not start until 2.05. So uh, plenty of time for people to ingest it uh, and throw some feedback out there. I'd appreciate it. So, all right, uh, that does it for uh, that segment here. Um, opening weekend uh, tailgates. Uh, we had talked about it with White Sox Dave uh, last year. We are going to be hosting uh, one on opening day itself. Uh, you look for the um, on-tap Sportsnet flag in lot B and then White Sox Dave. We're still waiting on confirmation from him. Uh, I haven't talked to him a whole lot since he came on the show, but I'm sure he will post uh, details on his Twitter account, possibly you know Redline Radio or Barstool Chicago's um, because they were looking at a pig roast there. So um you know, we've said it a bunch of times, but can't wait to be back in Lot B, Tone. I can't wait to be back in Lot B, Johnny. It's going to be such an excellent time. Expect what you get out of a uh, Sox on Tap tailgate. Jello shots will be flowing probably on both days. Uh, I think uh, uh, the wife's going to make maybe like two, three hundred Jello shots um, for everybody. I'm expecting a bigger crowd, so we're going to we're going to get those uh, out to everybody. Um, you know, just tons of beers, Jello shots. Might bring the bags. Um, I, I, I'm pretty sure we're going to have some grills going too. It's going to be a great time, dude. I can't wait for the smell of yes. fresh grilled meat, beers, Pete hand cigar, and everything else that, that comes with a socks on tap tailgate. I, I can almost, you know, uh, I, I can almost smell it. We're, we're only on an audio call here, but you just saying that I can just picture myself there and I'm getting like that extra sense that's coming in. So I, yes. I love it. I can't wait either. So uh lot B opening day as early as we can get out there. Uh, game starts at one ten. So aim, I would guess uh, 11 would be uh, kind of conservative here, but we'll know more as it gets closer and the White Sox actually release times on lot openings and whatnot. So we'll be right. parked there at like 9 a.m. Dude. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll be on 34th Street, you know, uh, you know, just ch- chilling, hanging out, uh, rearing, getting a lot B. So, um, that does it for that tone. Uh, time to wrap this episode up this Sunday, Funday edition of Socks on Tap. Buzz usually does this one, but I'm going to try my best to imitate it. Be sure you go to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs, following at ontapsportsnet and at Socks on Tap as well. Tony? Yes. Subscribe, rate, review the episode, please. We, uh, we love the feedback. Give us five stars, even if you don't even if you don't love it. Give it five stars, and that that would be cool and tough of you. Um, we're probably gonna run some promotions. Maybe, maybe you get a free koozie. You know, you, uh, you you go out there, give us five stars, share it back with us. Might get you a free koozie on opening day weekend if you show up to the tailgate. Uh, I think that's a that's a fair little promotion we can run here, Johnny. Um, let's 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 get this done. Subscribe, rate, review, uh, and you get a koozie um, as long as they're in stock. Uh, that yeah. that's that's the, Tony uh, the important thing. Lose as long as I don't as long as I don't lose all the koozies before uh, go give us five stars leave a review um, that'd be cool and tough you get a koozie on tap sports not koozie yeah. um, tweet it at us so we know yeah tweet it at us so you know we know who you are 
Um, Johnny, anything else? Um, I love spring training time of year, Tony. Um, I absolutely love turning on MLB.com stream, seeing beautiful Camelback Ranch. Um, it's one of the nicest fields down there uh, from both a uh, amenity standpoint and the actual ball field itself. Um, I can't wait to see them uh, in action there, and I can't wait to be down there. I guess my last plug is that I will be down at spring training. I've said it before, but uh, March 18th through March 22nd, uh, taking in those last four games actually down at the ranch and one at the A's facility as well. Uh, Andrew Kinsler and myself will be there. So uh, stay tuned for updates from Glendale, Arizona. Tone? Love it, Johnny. Can't wait for uh, some some live reporting down at spring training. Um, we'll be back next Sunday. I may not be. I'm taking a trip to Atlanta. Uh, it's my brother's 21st birthday. Can't wait to crack him with him, and he'll be able to crack him at the ballpark this summer. So that's going to be uh, a really cool thing. My youngest brother turning 21, so happy birthday to him. Just a little happy birthday shout-out, Tom. Uh, you know, that's uh, you'll probably hear uh, the voices of, of Buzz and Johnny next Sunday, fun day, but baseball season's upon us. I think that's the best time of year is right around uh, opening day, the excitement. That's my Christmas. I'm ready to go. Um, as a great White Sox broadcasting writer would say, White Sox forever. White Sox forever.